0: What's up, sports fans and Steeler Nation? My name is Logan. I'm the co-host of the Man Cave Sports Talk podcast, where we talk all sports all the time. I am a lifelong Steelers fan, so yes, we do break down the games of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but we are all sports fans, and we do break down the NFL, the NHL, the MLB, the NBA, and even the UFC, We also touch on some sports gambling, where we try to make it so easy that even a caveman could do it. We hope to catch you on the next episode of the Man Cave Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you. What is up, my peeps, and welcome to the Big Sports Mood Podcast. It's your boy, Anthony G, and welcome to episode four. Thank you for tuning in. Real quick, let me get the plugs out. Go follow me on Twitter, at Big Mood. Once again, almost to a thousand followers since July, so I'm super excited about that. Go follow always got something popping over there go po- go check out the insta at the big sports mood pod I'll be posting clips and uh, little footages over there that way if you ain't got time to listen to the whole podcast at least you can scroll through the feed real quick and listen to short little clips also uh lastly, go check out my uh t-shirt shop online had this going way before the podcast so it's awesome that I can almost sponsor myself but go check it out it's teespring.com backslash stores backslash uh, big sports mood got um, some merch coming out still in the the design phase got Steelers gear over there got some Panthers Washington just some funny clever t-shirts I think every sports fan would love and then we we also got some more sports uh involvement coming, but it's all in the design phase. Um so now let's just get into it. Quick Steeler Nation got some Steeler news. As I'm sure you've heard at this point, Vance McDonald tight end has been put on the COVID-19 slash IR list. Um going with that uh with some high-risk contacts. We got Big Ben. Uh, Vince Williams, Jalen Samuels, and Gerald Hawkins, like I said, all within close contacts. Um, They said that their closest contact was Sunday, um, since Vance tested positive for COVID, and they were within contact of him Sunday. Now they're just being pretty much quarantined. And then as long as they have five consecutive days of no uh or I'm sorry with negative testing for five consecutive days. Then they could come back as early as Saturday. It's kinda like uh with Matthew Stafford last week on the Lions. Uh he wasn't he didn't get uh tested with COVID. He was just a high risk contact. So then he had to wait, but I think his uh contact was on Monday. So they had to wait literally right until before the game to see if he could play um to get that one last negative. So as long as they look good for Saturday um, We're fine, as long as they have no negative test. So, hopefully that all comes out and works in our favor. Because, I'll be honest, I do not want to see Mason Rudolph, even, against, even if it's against the Bengals. I literally just talked about this last episode, how the Bengals are definitely showing improvement. They definitely... um, You can obviously tell they're not quite there yet, but they have... um, They're definitely looking like they're putting it together and looking like they might be dangerous. So... Definitely wanna have def definitely wanna have Big Ben out there over Mason. Uh Vince Williams, uh he's important in that defense. Run stopper can get the rush. Um and as you've seen the past couple of games a run defense already hasn't been that be- that great. So if we were to lose Vince Williams, it would only hurt. Uh Jalen Samuels and Jared Hawkins are only kind of minor inconveniences if I'm being honest, but obviously we, I wish them all the best, just the same. No, obviously you don't want to see anybody get sick or anything like that. Um, and wish Vance uh, McDonald a quick and easy recovery. Hopefully he's feeling well. Get him back soon. Um, uh, now let's just get right into the NFL recap of week nine. As I've done every episode, I've chosen my top four games of the week that have kind of that that have something to do with the season going forward. Like I say, dominoes falling, everything. The the playoff picture is starting to become a little bit clear. Although with uh, what seven more weeks left, I believe. Yeah, seven more weeks. Um, obviously, a lot is still going to change. Um, but number one, I got you're now six and two Seattle Seahawks, um, losing to the now Buffalo uh, seven and two Buffalo Bills, forty four to thirty four. And a high scoring game, that's crazy. I definitely thought Seattle was going to go into Buffalo and win that one. Um, to so to see Buffalo play as dominant as they did, that's pretty cool. Um, definitely surprising. Um, that's a big win for Buffalo. I was just saying a couple of days to my uh, t- a couple of days ago to my buddy that I really didn't think, I really didn't know how to feel or think about Buffalo, it, where obviously they're a playoff team but are they a good playoff team or just one of those ones that's kind of built for the regular season so i think that's definitely a a statement win over a very good seattle team um the only thing about that seahawks is that defense is a huge liability when you got that offense um now obviously buffalo's defense is is very good so they were able to hold off that um potent Seahawk offense for a while they almost came back towards the end but it just wasn't enough um, a little too much too late um, so that Buffalo defense which in the NFL you have to have a defense and I think we're going to be talking about that a lot going through these games where you have to have a defense you can have a as great of an offense as you want but your defense has to be solid as a Steelers fan I know that the best because those couple years where everybody wants to talk about um, you know, how we had the the big Bs, all the Ben, A.B., Bell. How did we do more than we did? But, yeah, they never look at the defense side of things, and our defense is absolutely garbage, just rolling out the red carpet for off uh, opponents' offenses every week. So you can see that in Seattle. Yeah, they're winning. The Steelers would win too, but you need that defense. So Seattle has to, give it to get it together, and I know usually – the P. Carroll Seahawks are known for their defenses. They have the they have the the names on the defense, but they don't have you just gotta they just gotta gel together. Obviously you got Bobby Wagner, one of the best, if not the best, uh, linebackers in the game. They got Jamal Adams, but he's actually ranked like sixty something out of ninety-two safeties, I believe, in pass coverage. Obviously, we all knew he wasn't a, a very good pass covering uh Safety, but you got to be better than that. If you're, if you want to talk the way he talks, you can't. You can't just be a run stopper. I mean, Buda Baker. I feel like he's known for a run stopper, but he can also get out there and cover. Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds, keeping in Steelers. He's gotten better. His numbers are even better than Jamal Adams this year. So that's just something to keep looking at. Uh, Russell did his thing. Twenty-eight for forty-one, three hundred ninety yards, two touchdowns, but he did have two interceptions. We're on the flip side, Josh Allen had third uh went thirty one for thirty eight four hundred 415 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Sometimes you can throw interceptions and win, but usually it's not a good thing um especially if the other uh quarterback on offense doesn't throw any um so yeah, that's just uh a big statement lead uh win for buffalo. They did get off to an early lead it, uh, it was fourteen nothing at the end of the first quarter. And I think that was just too much for Seattle. And they usually have to dig themselves out a lot, especially this year. But that Buffalo defense was just able to hold them off en- long enough um, to where, like I said, when Seattle finally got it going, it was a little too much too late. Um, so, yeah, Buffalo, 7-2, and two, leading that AFC East division. Um, and we got another AFC East uh, team down in this lineup. Uh, so let's move on to number two. I got the Las Vegas Raiders, which are now five and three, beating the now two and six Los Angeles Chargers, 31-26 in a AFC was that West uh showdown. Las Vegas, like I said, five and three. This put them in the playoff consideration. They are now the sixth seed, um, technically, um, which booted the Browns out with them sitting on the bye. Um Raiders, that's a pretty impressive win, even though it is over the Chargers. That's a game that I felt like the Raiders might lose just because I'm super high on Herbert. I love Justin Herbert, that man. I think he is the offensive rookie of the year over Joe Burrow, even though their teams are just about having the same amount of success. It's just Herbert's numbers are crazy. I know Burrow's numbers are crazy. It's just something about Herbert just screams special, especially with him not being as, ta- uh, as much talked about. Going into the year as Burrow was, um, rightfully so. So um, you know, first round or first overall pick, um, compared to Herbert, I can't remember where he got drafted, but obviously it was in the first round, um, but yeah, Raiders, going five and three, um, and it, I liked what I saw. I didn't watch the game. I did watch the highlights. They had multiple rushers. Um, Booker and Jacobs both had sixty five plus. I think Jacobs had 68. One of them had 68. One of them had 65. So they at least both had 65 yards rushing. And they both had a touchdown each. That's nice that they can't... Um, they have someone like Booker to rely on. Um, that way they don't have to use Jacobs as much. Obviously, he he is the main running back. But it's always nice to have someone... Um, you know, a duo pair that you can rely on just as much. And that, that was... Uh, good because Carr didn't have to throw as much, which makes him look better. He only had like 100 some yards, ru- or I'm sorry, not rushing, but passing. He did have a rushing touchdown though, I believe. Which <laughs> that's that's an automatic L. If you let Derek Carr rush, he had like two amazing rushes. I uh, But if you let Derek Carr rush for a touchdown, you're automatically checking that L. That's like a couple of weeks ago. Matt Ryan had a rushing touchdown against the Panthers. So you already knew they were taking the L. If you just let someone a quarterback like that run it in. And I'm not gonna lie, Carr looked like he has some speed. I, I didn't realize he had that much speed, but still. It's Derek Carr. Come on, bro. Don't 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 let that man run it for a touchdown. Um so you already know you are taking the L if you let that happen. But yeah, like I said, uh Raiders coming in, taking that playoff spot. Uh as so if the season ended, they'd have the sixth seed right now. Which is obviously an improvement. Um I think the Raiders will that's gonna to be tough. The 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 um, five through seven seed this year is gonna be super tough. I believe in both divisions, but that ASC five through seven is gonna be up for grabs for a while. It's gonna some of these teams are gonna to have to start losing, and some of these teams are gonna to have to start winning. And that sounds like it's it's you know straightforward, but it's not because this year has not been straightforward. So. Um, but on the Chargers, obviously, pods of note: Herbert going twenty-eight for forty-two. That's eh, you know, uh, three hundred twenty-six passing yards, two touchdowns. Almost won the game though; they almost won. <sighs> I don't. The tight end, they—I forgot the dude's name. It wasn't Hunter Henry, but they threw it to the guy. It was like his first like receptions, first second reception of the year, this whole year. Catches it two feet in bounds, but for some reason, and this has been happening. I like I don't understand what they these refs consider a touchdown, and maybe it's always been like this, and I just never realized it. But he the dude caught it two feet in bounds had control, but as soon as they hit the ground and the ball pops out, it's not it's no longer a touchdown. Like I thought, it was just as long as you had control two feet in bounds. At, if they're if they you know if they're already falling out of bounds and it, as they hit the ground the ball pops out. Who cares? Maybe they just hit the, you know, I mean, I saw that like all this weekend has been going on. I don't understand. Maybe it's always been like that, but that really makes me mad. That's a lot of touchdowns that you're calling back, all because the dude hit the ground like right on the ball. Like the, bo- like, he made a spectacular, it doesn't matter. He made all this spectacular catch in the air, getting, you know, his two big toes to tap inside the bounds. Or just stay in bounds. But as soon as he hits out of bounds, he has control the whole way down. But he, like, hits the ground on the ball and the ball pops out. That's not a touchdown anymore. I want to see one of these refs go out there and run a route over one of the best defenders ever. I mean, they're in the NFL. So, obviously, they're a great defender. Even if they're a bad defender by NFL standards, they're a good defender because they made it to the NFL. I want to see you go out there and run one, bro. And you tell me if you're going to catch that regardless of you hitting the ground. You have control two feet in the end zone. How is that not a touchdown? How is that not a touchdown? Steelers fans, can you imagine if Holmes did the exact same thing, but when he landed on the ground, the ball popped out? Think about that. Is that a touchdown? Two feet in bounds, control all the way down. But as he hits the ground the ball pops out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe this has just always been a thing and I just like with them just always questioning the passing or catching rules, it just seems like it's cra- it's super excessive now. But it just it does seem super excessive to me now. I don't I don't think that's that should be a thing. It just it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I don't know. Let me know. If you're listening, at me on Twitter or something like that. Because maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Moving on. Game three. You're now 5-3 and three, Miami Dolphins beats the now 5-3 and three, Arizona Cardinals. 34-31 in a, just a dole at quarterback. That was a great game. I uh, Once again, didn't watch the game. But um, went back and watched the highlights. When I saw that. That's what I wanted to see. That's the type of game I wanted to see, because I wanted to be able to believe in this Miami team. Because Arizona will go away on you if you if you let them, and this is um, this is the game I wanted to see from Tua after last week. I think I was saying last week. I think they just eased him into it, rightfully so. Uh, but this week he goes twenty for twenty eight, two hundred forty eight yards for two passing touchdowns. Made some plays on the on the ground, obviously. Um, had uh showed some pretty good pocket presence for only his second game in the NFL, especially coming into it this late. Showed some pretty good pocket presence. I like what I really liked what I saw from him. That makes me so happy. I wanted to see him succeed. So um, especially going against Arizona, whose defense is no joke. Their defense is no joke, um, and neither neither is their offense. Um. Murray had an early fumble in the game which Miami scooped up and uh ran it back. That defense has been last week they definitely won that game for them. This week they definitely helped them win this game. That's awesome to see that that Miami team finally has some help on both sides of the ball. I'm honestly super proud of them. You can't be mad at them. Like that's just that's just cool to see. I think it'd be pretty cool if Fitzpatrick was still doing it. But like I said, I'm super happy to see Tua coming into his own already two games into his career. And speaking of coming into her own and uh, seeing that team rise, Miami Dolphins now have, as of right now, have control of that seventh seed in the playoffs. Now, there have been things coming out. I've been talking about steeding. I do want to mention this. There have been things where, uh, coming out saying that the NFL owners have come together, saying that they might add an 8-spot if games start to get canceled. I hope to God that doesn't happen. And depending on who you're a fan of, you ho- you should hope that doesn't happen. Because if that does happen, they already mentioned when they first started talking about this maybe a couple months ago, that if the first seed, um, or if they did add an 8-seed, that the first seed would no longer have that first-round buy, so every team would be playing so, as a Steeler fan, and as of right now having control of that first seed, which I think we should continue to have if we keep <laughs> keep winning, um, and we do end up with that first seed, and they add an eight seed, then we don't get a buy. We already got screwed by the Titans having to go from a week eight bye. Was it a week eight? Yeah, week eight bye to a week four bye. And now we already had to play 13 games straight with no buy. But now if we get that first seed and then we have to play the eighth seed right off the bat, you're talking fifteen, sixteen games straight to the Super Bowl. That's a whole, that's a whole you're pretty much playing a whole season, pretty much. They pretty much have played an, they would pretty much have played a whole season without a break. So it literally would have been like they played three preseason games and then played a full season all the way to the Super Bowl. Which if it happens and they fucking win, pff, Who cares? I'm taking that, bud. I do not care. Shit. That'll just make us look even more glorious. But on the flip side, if you're another fan of a team like NFC South, or not NFC South, I'm sorry, NFC with the Saints right now, if you're a Saints fan, they're the number one seed right now. And say they, they hold on to that all the way, but they have the eighth seed. <laughs> Are you not upset that your team doesn't get that first round bye that they earned? They played all regular season for and they earned that you know first round bye, but now... Um, I mean, you already took away the first or first uh, second team. You already took away their bye. Now you're gonna add. Um. Another uh eight seed in there, and then you have no bye weeks. Uh, sure, it's more football, but it's gonna be a little bit more sloppier, I think, because people dudes are gonna be tired, maybe more injuries. That's that's just something they should think about. Um, moving forward on whether or not they should add the eight seed. Um, but, yeah, Arizona, they are the sixth seed in the NFC right now. So they're still hanging tight in there. I think they still end up being a uh, – I don't know their schedule moving forward. But I, I see this team maybe being a – I think they'll be a very solid 11-5 and five team possibly. Or, right, 11-5? Yeah, 11-5, 10-6 maybe. Um, I'm, but I'm excited to see where this Miami team goes. Uh, they're two games back behind Buffalo. So I don't. That's gonna be. I don't know if they'll be able to catch up to Buffalo. Buffalo's gonna have to lose some games, but yeah, that's that's a that's a fun race, and it's just nice see not seeing the Patriots in there. However, I will say it's super sad seeing what, <laughs> Camp Newton pretty much being like a like a mule on that offense, just doing everything, literally carrying the team. Um, carrying that offense. It's just it's bad to see. Um. Uh, hopefully they can figure it out but honestly i think it's just cuz he doesn't have he doesn't have an arm no more i'm sorry to say he just doesn't have an arm no more so they can't really make him throw like or they can't do the stuff that they want to do um i just don't think Cam Newton is the right fit for the patriots they should i mean it's it's nice to see him on a team and having redemption but that whole team that team gave up on the patriots before cam newton even got there so Cheers to them, boo the pa- cheers to him, boo to the Patriots. I don't care. Moving forward, and if you've been following along, we recap four games. We've gone through three. Sorry, you already know what the fourth game is, buddy. You're now eight and do oh. Pittsburgh Steelers beat the now two and seven Dallas Cowboys, 24-19. If you're not down with that, I got two words for you suck it, DX Chop, I don't care, I don't care. You can say what you want to say, we're and zero. No. your team isn't. I don't care who your team is. You can be a cheese fan, I don't care. In the, in the wise wisdom words of a great head coach, Mike Tomlin, we do not care, end quote. We do not care. Say what you want to say. We are 8-0. and Big Ben having a game. 29 for 42. 306 yards. Three touchdowns. Juju said himself on Chase Claypool's TikTok. Big Ben was calling and drawing up the plays there in the second half, which pretty much seems like even Ben said last week he was calling the plays in the second half. I th- I guess they're like, okay, Finker, we're going to give you the first half, see if you can do your job. If not, Ben's calling the plays, because we gotta win this game. We know you're not, but we are gonna give you the opportunity to do so. Never works. Flip the script. Look at Dallas. You know, let me let me throw that fishing rod out there like that commercial. Oh, you almost had it. Oh, you almost had it, Dallas. But all these almost, I tweeted. I think it was yesterday or maybe two days ago all the all these people all you all you people keep talking about all these almost as if the Steelers are professional horseshoe team like horseshoes only count hand grenades and horseshoes baby and i guess uh, cornhole you know if you want to add that in there but this ain't almost almost don't count in in the NFL okay that's like say say the falcons you know look at the falcons uh new england they didn't say Oh, you guys almost had it. You know, they said that for like maybe a day, but who? what do you remember? The Patriots coming back to win. Not the Falcons almost having it, but really them just blowing it and not winning. You know, it's like Fast and Furious. Almost had you. Almost had me. You never had your car. You never had your team, Mike McCarthy. You, you never had your team. <laughs> <coughs> They had to bring. They had to throw the whole kitchen sink at us. I mean, a trick play on kickoff. What is this, guy? Is this, what, 2006, bro? Is this, den- oh, my God, we've never seen this in our lives. Yeah, it worked. It worked a little bit. <laughs> we weren't expecting it. We didn't know we were playing a fucking high school team. Boo-hoo. You know, that set them up pretty nicely. I think they got maybe a field goal off of it. I think maybe a field goal. Um, what else? You know, I'll give a little, just a little golf clap to Garrett Gilbert. 21 for 38, 243 yards with a touchdown and an interception. He tried his best. He looked a lot better than I thought. Now, a lot of people, um, you know, are questioning us. How could you not beat the Cowboys by an impressive amount? You know, why didn't two other teams not beat the Cowboys if they're so bad? Now, sure they had those wins with Dak, but they still weren't that good. You know, those were those two wins they have are like pretty close games if I recall correctly. So why didn't any of those? Why didn't those two teams beat Dallas if they're so bad? You know, we won. Why didn't? Why didn't seven other teams beat us? You could I could ask you that. Why didn't? Why didn't seven other teams beat us? They just didn't. It is what it is, baby. We're eight zero. It is what it is. Now you can say, "Oh, if they had Dak, they, they might have actually won. Would they have? I think we would have won even I think that's when we would have won more impressively if they had Dak. We win the whole week not uh, you know, Mike McCarthy, you know, I'm going to tip my hat off to him. I always have my Steelers hat on, so I'm going to tip it off to him. You know, i you know, he didn't he didn't announce his quarterback uh, for uh, for a week on purpose just so we didn't know who we were facing. I mean, there's barely any film on any of the guys that they were talking about, Cooper Rush, or Garrett Gilbert. You know, at least if it was Andy Dalton or Dak Prescott, we would have had film on them. We would have known what to expect. You know, you can prepare for that. We didn't. We couldn't prepare for what the offense was gonna, what Dallas's offense was gonna throw at us. We didn't even know if Zeke was gonna be playing. And then the whole week they were talking about how this guy was pretty much not gonna play. And then like they went in, and then you know we see see uh Zeke getting fed. Like, I'm pretty sure they tweaked the story a little bit the whole week to have us questioning whether or not Zeke was going to be at full strength. He sure, he didn't look the best because that o line so banged up. But he sure was grinding out some yardage against our defense. Tony Pollard, hats off to him. He's a solid, I'll give, you know, solid performance from him. But there's no almost in the NFL, okay? We're 8-0. It don't matter. Like I said, seven other teams could have beat us. Dallas could have beat us, but they didn't. It comes down to those plays. Last week, I was talking about uh, Daniel Jones. How they could have went to, was it, I think, to either win the game or to go to overtime, to force overtime. They had to get that two-point conversion. Yeah, he almost had it, but it doesn't matter. You know, If he had had it, then we'd be talking about it. Then it could have went to overtime, and then you know, whatever would have happened after overtime, that's what we'd be talking about. But that whole drive that they said he put together to score that touchdown, which took a long-ass time, Um, all that doesn't matter if you don't make that key moment play. Everything else in that Dallas game didn't matter until that last moment where Gilbert and the Dallas offense had to go out and score, and they didn't. Our defense had to go out there and stop them, and they did. That's why I was talking about like in Seattle, the Seattle-Buffalo game. Buffalo's defense went out there and stopped them. Seattle's defense couldn't. So you can have all that offense, but it takes defense to win games. Yeah. Once once Pittsburgh finally got it going. Once we finally got it going in the second half, or that last drive. Okay, I guess technically second to last drive before the uh, before halftime where Ben got hurt, which he seems to be okay. Came out like stone cold out that tunnel, baby. But uh, he was looking pretty good. Um, yeah, he banged up his knee. Went four for four and scored a touchdown to James Washington. Mason Rudolph comes out because we stopped the we stopped their offense pretty quickly, um, and then Mason just went out there and just like blew it up a little, <laughs> just pooped on the field for like thirty five seconds, and then we go into halftime and then Ben comes out and he looks he looks good and our offense is grooving. We just need that more, but our defense was able to stop them. That's all that matters. Sure, we've had to do it like a couple, pretty much a couple games in a row, but it doesn't matter. That's why you build the defense. I feel like all these common folk and these just mutuals of the, of like just sports now just don't understand how things work. Like they, all they've seen, all these youngins just grow up in all the, you know, this modern age. And I'm pretty young myself. I'm only 23. So, you know, I respect, I feel like I was just. I just grew up respecting my elders uh, when it comes to football, but also just being in that young generation of what football is. Like when I see Patrick Mahomes do things that he does on the field, you know, I get happy because that's stuff we do in the, you know, or like Kyle Murray, that's just stuff we do in the uh, backyard as kids that we've been doing. And it's cool seeing someone almost my same age doing it on the professional football field. That's something that they would have frowned upon back then. Because it's not just a straight drop back and Lucy Goose, the football, you know, drop backs were terrible back then. Okay, they, you know, they literally started out with them just like literally running backwards, not like opening up and, you know, dropping back. It was literally them just running backwards, looking, holding the ball out, you know, to their side, you know, like waving their arm and getting their arm rotated and just launching it 80 yards. No, we don't do that no more. It's, it's finesse and it's fun. So seeing stuff like that is cool. Um but it just takes um just a defense, you know. And then real quick an honorable mention. Cuz I don't want to give them more uh speaking time than they already get. Uh the New Orleans Saints 6 and 2 now beating Tampa Bay Buccaneers which are 6 and 3. And an impressive blowout 38 to 3 like I said uh, they, I didn't pick them to be a top four recap just because I don't want them those two teams to get any more love than they already get or any more attention than they get but seeing Tom, uh, Tampa Bay Tom, uh, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady get blown out like that that's crazy to me. Um, that's a big difference. That's really a one game difference depending on who had won that game between being uh, the leader, not only the leader in the NFC South, but between being the one seed in the NFC and the five seed, like playoff ranking-wise. So right now the Saints are the one seed, and uh, Tampa Bay is the fifth seed. So that's going to be a close race. That's going to be something to watch going forward. Now, the fantasy break segment of the podcast, where I talk about my personal teams and fantasy, um some plays uh some players um that have effect going forward and affected me. So right off the bat, I got absolutely high by what I thought was going to be a pretty potent and multiple used running backs in the 49ers backfield going against what I thought was going to be a bad rushing Packers defense, but the exact opposite happened. In my fantasy team, in one of my teams, I had the 49ers defense, which I was trying desperately to find a replacement for. But when the waivers went up that uh, to begin that week and I didn't get the Cardinals defense like I wanted to, I really had no backup plan. And I thought maybe, just maybe, the 49ers defense would just do just good enough. They ended up getting me negative three points. And then I also had their uh, rookie running back, Hasty, who the week before had, I think, maybe a solid 10-point game. So I thought, you know, coming off an impressive, they might use him more. From what I saw, I think a lot of people also thought the same thing about Hasty. He only got me 3.3 points in my league, personally. And that Packers defense looked pretty damn good. I, I lost that league. That was the only league I lost this week, uh, having a combined record of 3-1 and one this week. Had a really impressive win. Uh, winning one fifty four to like seventy something. Um, my team went off. The guy I beat, I'm so happy to beat him. I love the guy. He's one of my uh, one of my good friends on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but I was just so happy to beat him because he was what uh five and zero, six and zero. Yeah, he was six and zero. I think. Yeah, six and zero, seven zero. About two weeks ago. But now he's on a two-week losing streak. And that was the one game I was super nervous going into. But when I saw him lose last week, I was like, you know what? I I still may not beat him. Luckily, in that league, I had CMC come back. Which we'll talk about. CMC came back. Um, And then the funny thing is... is I had uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown starting. Which they both popped off for great games. But two weeks ago... Those were his wide receivers. Now, we were making, for some reason, the day was just popping in that league. We have a league group chat. Everybody was just making trades. I was trying to make something happen, too. Um, And he said he needed, the only thing he was missing was a tight end. And my tight end at the time was Darren Waller. So I was like, but I needed more, like, I just needed more capital. My team was pretty good, but I knew I needed to be better. So I hit him up. I offered him Darren Waller. I ended up training him Darren Waller, Justin Jackson, and Adam Thielen for DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Absolutely fleeced him. Call me Kevin Colbert two point oh. Shout out Steelers GM. Fleeced that man. I think I might have caused his like losing streak. I know I definitely did. Honestly, I feel kind of bad, but I'm also every time I look at it, I I start laughing, especially this week when I won and and. The fashion I did, almost I feel super bad, but it's it's honestly it's honestly hilarious, because um, he did start all three players. I, I traded him. He started. Justin Jackson got hurt. Got him zero points. Adam Thielen only had like five points, and Waller got I think eleven or twelve points, thirteen points maybe. And I mean all their points combined didn't even equal enough to what one of AJ Brown or DK Mathes DK Mass. Jesus, DK Metcalf scores individually were, so that's probably the best trade I've ever made. I'm on a I'm on like cloud nine right now. I'm, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna win this whole thing in that league. I got a great team going forward. I got Deshaun Watson. Okay, so speaking of which, so like I said, CMC came back. But he got hurt right at the end of that game against the Chiefs. He has a shoulder injury. Got me 37.1 first game back. And then right before I clicked record to film this, looks like they're saying he's almost definitely not playing this Sunday, which hurts. Um, So in that league, I'll probably be starting James Robinson again, which I'm not upset about. It's definitely not CMC points. But James Robinson has been very super uh, consistent and uh, very positive I actually really like James Robinson, so I'm not super upset. Um, I didn't start Aaron Jones this week, which didn't hurt me because <coughs> um, I was able to start Robinson and CMC. Um, and Aaron Jones, like I said, didn't really hurt me. He got about 12 points, but I'll be starting him. I think uh, they he went off last week, but that was in a limited role, so... Cause he was coming off injury. So now I think he's definitely healthy. They saw what he did last week. He's going to get back to full-time numbers. So he should have about a 20 point game. So I think in that league, I'll be running Wat- the Deshaun Watson at QB. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Aaron Jones, uh, James Robinson at running back. Aaron, uh, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf at uh, wide receiver. Um, I picked up Austin Hooper. Cause I, I've had Gronk the past two weeks and it worked out two weeks ago where he got some um, second half. He went off in the second half for like 14 points, 14 fantasy points. But this week I didn't need him, thankfully, but he only got one reception for like three or four yards. So, And I had Trey Burton on my bench who's just inconsistent. So I picked up Austin Hooper in Cleveland, hopefully he before he got hurt again when he came back and then he got hurt again. But he was having some pretty solid games. And uh, the Browns are missing some people. So with Austin Hooper coming back, um, Baker's coming back too. So I think he'll need somebody to rely on. Austin Hooper is a very good tight end. So hopefully he'll work out. I got Robbie Anderson, which has been like one of my favorite fantasy MVPs this week or this year. Uh, I got him at Flex. And then I usually have my boy Hyung hwa Koo, kicker for the Falcons. They're on a bye week. So I picked up one of my other favorite fantasy kickers this year so far. Daniel Carlson for the Raiders. He's been super consistent. Some pretty high games, but he's at at least seven, eight points. I'll take that out of a kicker. It's better than some of these kickers who get like, they're like 15-15 and it's like three points, three points, three points, 12, three points. You know, he's at least always, like I said, seven, eight-ish, and then he has those high uh, high scoring games just like everybody else. So that's, that's a, if you, that's a solid lineup right there. Um, what else we got going on in fantasy? Oh, yeah, one of my other leagues, The league I lost where I had the 49ers uh, JV team in my lineup. I picked up Curtis Samuel, who's been going off the past three weeks. I, I like what I see from that Panthers offense right now. They're definitely getting him in rushing-wise and in the passing game. I like what I see. I think it's going to keep going. I hope to God it keeps going. So, Panthers, if you're listening to Teddy B., I love you. Keep throwing to Curtis Samuel. That man is a dog. I love Curtis Samuel. I was happy no one else picked him up. My girlfriend was shocked. She thought somebody else. She didn't even look to see if he was available when we put our waiver claims in. Because she just thought somebody else already had him. So little did I say anything. (laughs) Tee hee hee. Had to be a little sneaky there. Picked up Curtis Samuel. And I still had him holding on. Because obviously I wasn't going to use him last week. I think they were on bye anyways. But I'm going to go with Phillies' defense. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I started them. I streamed them against Dallas. It worked out. They ended up with 21 points. They do play the Giants this week. So hopefully they have some of the same similar success. I'm definitely just not going with the 49ers defense at all the rest of the season. They have their whole teams out. I thought maybe they would still be able to piece some things together and just based off of coaching wisdom, they'd be a good defense still. But they're just not. So, if you have them, move on, please, people. Move on from the 49ers. Um, And then, also, in that same league that I have Curtis Samuel, hopefully I'm getting Chris Carson back. Hopefully all fantasy owners are getting Chris Carson back. He's very valuable. I need him back in my lineup. Um... And then uh, I also have Aaron Jones in that one. Derrick Henry kind of had a stinker of a game last week, only gave me six point eight points because he had sixty eight yards rushing, um, no touchdowns, no not even one reception. So uh, th- I think they're the th- yeah they are the Thursday night game. So uh, hopefully Derrick Henry has a, a better game than he did last week. I think he'll definitely be able to score, even though the Colts are I think still the number one ranked. Fantasy defense. It's just I don't believe in the Colts. They could they could have stopped the Ravens last week. I'm sorry, I'm yawning. <laughs> um, they couldn't beat the Ravens this week. Um, Phillip Rivers literally fell on his back. If you haven't seen that play, it is super hilarious. I think he threw a pick, and then on the on the chase down, he he tripped and then he fell on the ground and then he realized that the guy was about to run over him, so he put his leg up, tried to trip the guy. He didn't, of course. Dude ends up taking in for pick six. And when he realizes he's the guy just hurdles over him, he just literally lays there like a dead man because he pretty much is. This should be his last year. I don't know what the Colts were thinking. They, I know they thought that he was the right fit, but he's just not. He's washed. That's my personal opinion. I've never been a big fan of Philip Rivers anyways. But, yeah, it is what it is. So, yeah, that's our fantasy break of the episode. Now, this is what I've been waiting for. The word of the day, the word of the episode. We always film on Wednesdays, and today, Wednesday is Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs> uh, November 11th, it's Veterans Day. So shout out to all my, uh, all you veterans out there. if I got any listening, thank you for your service. My dad, or I have a whole family. Um, pretty much all, all my families have uh, family members have uh, served at some point. My grandpa being a veteran, um, my dad serving twenty plus years, um, multiple, multiple, multiple uh, uh, deployments, airborne engineer. Shout out the road castles. Um, so yeah, veterans very close to my heart. So, I thought I would make that the focus of the episode. Veterans. Now, not veterans in the game like Big Al, you know, Villanova for the Steelers. Nothing like that. Um, also, shout out Pat Tillman. That just hit my mind. Veterans, Speaking of veterans, Pat Tillman. Rest in peace. If you know, you know. That's all I'm going to say. But rest in peace, Patrick Tillman. But no, nothing like that. Not veterans in the NFL. Or veterans of the sport of sports, I wanted to talk about literal veterans uh, of the game. So, like past players. Um, so I I composed a list of my top ten personal favorite players, you know, veterans of my teams uh, for my three major, for, you know, for I just took my three major sports teams, NFL, NBA. College football. My top 10 personal favorite players from each team um, that I, you know, idolized. Just, you know, just my favorite players. Like uh, When I go through the list, if, if you're questioning me where I rank them, I'm saying it now. These are just my personal favorite players from the teams. This is not based off of, some of it's just not based off of um, success or um, what they did—they're just my personal favorite players. So yeah, we're gonna look back at the veterans of the teams, if that makes sense. I hope you're, <laughs> I hope you're following along with me. Um, so I think we're gonna start off. Hmm. I think we'll start out with college football. Now I am a Penn State fan, so I ranked my top ten favorite Penn State players of all time. Um, ten being not my least favorite, but but you know, just you get the point of a top ten list, suckers. Okay, I'm not gonna sit here and explain it. I do that too much, over explain everything. You get the point of a damn top ten list. Here we go. Penn State, my personal top ten favorite veterans of the team. Number ten, we're gonna start off with tight end Mike Gasicki. I mean that's all there is to say. Mike Gasicki, that name just catches off to you. It just sounds like a hard nosed guy, which he is. Now he's having success with the Dolphins from a fantasy point, not as much as he should cuz every time I get this man in fantasy football, it's just not his game. It's not it's not Gasicki, they just don't game plan around him. Then I'll drop him, move on to somebody else. Then and then he has like a touchdown and, like, a couple of receptions. It's okay. I'm not one of those people that's going to, you know, let fantasy cloud my judgment or, you know, personal uh, relations. Not relations, but just my feelings for him. But it is annoying. Dolphins. Give my man Mike Gesicki more focus than the game plan, okay? He's an absolute stud. I know y'all know he is a stud. That's why I got him at number 10. He was awesome. And he's not in—I Uh, I don't have him on the list. But it was so nice to see right after Mike Gasicki, we go to Pat Fryer move there in Penn State. I think he's, if he does go to the draft this year, I think, I hope hope the Panthers draft Pat Fryer move. Uh, Y'all know I live in Carolina. My girl's a Panthers fan. So I follow them. They desperate, you know, I like Ian Thomas there in Carolina. Ain't got any Carolina fans listening. But y'all do need a tight end. I think Pat Friermuth, Uh, they call him Baby Gronk or Mini Gronk or whatever they call him. But uh, yeah, so it's nice to see that we went from Mike Kosicki to Pat Friermuth. We needed that nice tight end reliability there in the red zone. Moving on, number nine. The GOAT himself. Robbie Gold, kicker. Been with... Couple teams in the NFL now this far in his career or has he always been with the forty ers I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Don't call me on that. My brain's not thinking right now, so I'm not I'm I'm not gonna say anything further about what teams he's been with. But i am I'ma just quit talking about that. But Robbie Gold. Just one of the all time best kickers in the NFL. One of the best kickers in college ever. Absolute stud for Penn State. Definitely got to be in top 10. Got to show the kickers love. Shout out Pat McAfee for the brand. Kicker showing kicker love. Moving on to number eight. One of the best running backs in Penn State history. Kurt Warner. No, ladies and gentlemen, that's not Kurt Warner with the K. I said running back. That's Kurt Warner with the C. The Seattle legend. Kurt Warner, Penn State legend as well. Like I said, one of the best running backs i ever played for Kurt Warner. One of the most, uh, definitely not well known uh, when, when people talk about like uh, NFL great running backs. But for the real ones that know, Kurt Warner should be in your list. That man was doing things uh, back in the day that dudes are doing now. That gets high praise and it seems normal now. But when Kurt Warner was doing it, it was brand new, baby uh so yeah Kurt Warner with a c at number eight on my penn state list number seven he didn't make it on the Steelers list, so I knew i had to make it here on the penn state list all time legend at linebacker penn p s u has been l l b u for a reason jack ham linebacker at Penn state once again, like I said, Steelers legend, Penn State legend. I had to put him on one of the lists. Just I obviously I didn't watch him play for the Steelers or Penn State. I'm not <laughs> I'm not old enough. But I had to honor the legend on at least one of my lists. So I definitely had to put I made sure I put him on my Penn State list. Although I'm sure he's definitely more notable for Steelers. It just I have some personal love for some for a lot of the players I put on my top ten list. So shout out Jack Ham, number seven, top ten Penn State personal favorite players, not talent or anything like that. For anybody that keeps or might question me, number six, Allen Robinson, wide receiver, currently with the Chicago Bears. I mean, if you watched him in college. You knew he was about to be a a stud, a beast in the NFL. Slowly come, or not slowly, but he's coming into his own lately in the NFL. He could be one of the best. He should be talked about more. His quarterback situation hasn't always been the best there in Chicago. The offense situation in general just hasn't always been the best since he's been there. But I hope he gets some more love. Allen Robinson. I love watching him play in Penn State. Coming in number six in my top ten, top ten list. Number five, keeping in the wide receiver family, Chris Godwin, currently with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last year was looking like he was about to become the best receiver in the NFL, and he still is one of the best. But he's looking like he's about to be, you know, might come in that, you know, Julio Hopkins at the time, (laughs) a b, you know. That number one guy, of course, there's Mike Evans there too, but Chris Godwin was had the year last year. Injuries have kind of halted that this year. Buccaneers just have too many signings. Anytime a team does that, things always go wrong. It just, I think it just brings bad, bad omens, bad juju. Take a sip of my Mountain Dew. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, shout out Chris Godwin. Just. There's a lot of wide receivers that have been coming through Penn State lately that people that need to start being recognized. Um, speaking like an honorable mention, real quick, uh, KJ Hamler. I didn't get him on the list, but that man's a stud. You're gonna see him with he's with the Broncos getting drafted this year. I've been high on that man. I wanted him with the Steelers, but Steelers just didn't need receivers, especially once we drafted Claypool. I'll say. You know, shout out KJ Hamler, but I'll take I'll take I'll take Claypool over um over Hamler, you know just because of what our offense needs. But I'm excited to see what he does continuing his career, um uh, Denver wherever he goes. But hopefully he'll be with Denver for a while. It's always nice to stay with the team. But yeah, a lot of wide receivers been coming out of um Penn State lately. Another one like Jahan Dotson who was with Hamler last year. He's definitely the number one receiver uh, this year on our team. For um, phew, The plays he's made this year is that he's putting together quite the highlight reel for himself. Probably the only positive thing Penn State has gone right now is Jahan Dotson. So, I don't know if we're still LBU, linebacker U, but wide receiver U. Or running back U might be in the question. Um. Speaking of running, you know what we'll get to that. Number four, my boy, Trace McSorley, quarterback. I'm so I'm probably Trace McSorley's number one fan. I love that guy. I have a couple of his football cards. I hate that he went to the Ravens. It's almost like Baltimore new. I mean, he's he's like a third string, I think, right now. He's not gonna get any love in Baltimore. It'd be nice to see him go somewhere where he could show his talent. I don't know if he'll ever have a starting job in the NFL. You know, I just want him to see him succeed. I love Trace McSorley. The what he did for Penn State, him and James Franklin, was just exciting stuff. Um Almost wanted to put Hackenberg in here, Christian Hackenberg, because that was with you know the Bill O'Brien era. But I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't put Hackenberg in the list, but I'm super thankful. You know, he was, um, he wasn't the best, but he got us through a, a a hard time in Penn State. For all my Penn State peep, peeps out there, they know what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna talk too much about it, but it was definitely a tough time back then. So shout out, you know, Bob, and Hackenberg in us through it. But right after that was my boy Trace McSorley. Just an absolute stud knocking the home runners out of the park. That baseball swing, Selly. It's top five all time. One of my favorite celebrations. Um, so, Trey Smith-Sorley. Love him. Top uh, Coming in at number four. Number three. Like I said, linebacker you, baby. Sean Lee. One of the best linebackers I've ever come through Penn State. And I say that confidently. He should be one of the best linebackers ever in the NFL, but he's just been so plagued with injury after injury every year. I feel so bad for the guy. He should be he should have been known as one of the best linebackers ever. But people that know the game of football know anytime he's on the field, no matter for how long it is or, you know, season or per game, he's making an impact every time he's on that field. So hopefully he can get it healthy and have some, you know, good Rest of his career, but Penn State legend for sure. Now number two, you know he had to make the list, baby. Some people might think he should be number one, but this is my personal top ten list. So he's number two, Saquon, the Thighs, Barkley, coming in at number two. are the best running back ever to come out of Penn State. Like I said, uh Kurt Warner was a number eight, you know, Franco Harris, Penn State legend, Steelers legend, honorable mention for sure. Barkley, best running back, hands down. Warner and I'm sure Warren and uh uh Harris would say it themselves that is by far the better running back. I mean pfft. and again, injuries plagued has plagued his career. It's super sad. But when he when he if he can get it together and that old if the Giants can get him all line, I personally wish they would just get rid of him. To just do that man a favor and save his career. But Saquon Barkley coming in at number two, and you know it's for a good reason. I'm sure, like I said, a lot of people think he would be number one. But this is my top ten personal list. So number one on my top ten personal list is none other than Matt Mcloin, Quarterback, baby. Quarterback, baby. All the way from oh nine to 2012. We really started only 2010-2012. But those were like my favorite memories. That was like my last like... How do I describe it? How do I describe it? Like when I close my eyes and I just think of Penn State and like childhood memories. It takes me to, you know, uh, Joe Pa matt mcgloin because it was him and bolden fighting it out 2010 you know Powell was going with both of them you know each in the game and then bolden was messed up he fumbled and matt mcgloin steps in and leads us to victory and then was just our quarterback ever from from that game on so it's just just happy times i look back um just, just the happy moments, happy Valley moments, that I think of, and Matt McLoone was the quarterback at the time, so that's why he's my number one uh, favorite Penn State player of all time. Um, is for that reason, just because it was with Joe Pa, just the great, just last true Penn State team. I feel like was led by Matt McGoin and then after that it was the Bill O'Brien Hackenberg McSorley. Now, my boy, Sean Clifford. Um, so we've definitely been going through some growing pains. But when I think of my happiest, favorite Penn State moments, Matt McGloin was that quarterback. So that's my number one on my top ten veterans of Penn State history. Um, veterans of the game. Uh, some honorable mentions already went through him, Frank O'Hara's. um, Another, the other one was Tom Baha Lee. If any of my uh, listeners know him, which you should, Tom Baha Lee. Uh, long-time chief, uh, linebacker, defensive end, edge rusher. Absolutely. Goes back to LBU, baby. Linebacker U, baby. We produce. Tom Lee, Sean Lee, Jack Ham, I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I could have put more on there. I could make a top, like... Probably 50 list for linebackers only. But it's a new era. Like I said, we've been producing running backs. Oh, yeah, that was another one. Miles Sanders. Honorable mention. Miles Sanders. I loved him. Him and Barkley was an amazing duo. It's nice to see him. Both of them succeeding um, in the NFC East, which is funny. Um, but, yeah, that's my top 10 veterans of Penn State history. Yeah, we'll do that. Now, moving on to the NBA. I'm going to do my top 10 list of the veteran of Celtics veterans. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, top 10. Starting and coming in at number 10, Rayjan. Number 10, Rayjean Rondo with the Celtics from 06 to 2014. I mean, we had prime Rondo, baby. Um if I got any Celtics fans listening, prime Rondo was the absolute point God. There was no questioning, hands down, point god of his time. Chris Paul was there still, but nah. Chris Paul was not touching anything that Rondo. no point guard was touching what Rondo was doing in his prime with the Celtics. He had to be number ten. Obviously part of that not even big 3 but big 4 of the Celtics era Rondo number 10 I mean just some of the things he did the attitude the attitude the swagger he plays with the the headband everything just Rondo was the man the behind the the fake behind the back I mean Kawhi's called the claw but Rondo's got himself some fucking mitts to do the things he does with a basketball I mean, he came out and dunked on Dwight Howard. That's a moment I always always think about when I think about Rondo. Because when he was at Kentucky, and you watch his Kentucky film, he dunked a lot. Like, they threw alley-oops to Rondo. It wasn't Rondo throwing alley-oops. They were throwing alley-oops to Rondo. But then he got to the NBA, and he wasn't doing as much dunking. But when he did, he made sure he dunked on some tall motherfuckers. I'll give him that. So Rondo, number 10 in my top 10 Celtics list. Number nine. Probably the definition of defense, and especially the definition of Celtics defense, Marcus Smart. He's been with us since 2014. A draft guy has come into his own, has figured out what he's best at and has stuck to it. And he's gotten better at the things that he wasn't so good at, like his three-point shot. He's definitely no Klay Thompson, you know. But he's definitely way more confident and consistent in that three-point shot than he ever was. I think he's always a little bit confident, maybe too confident in his three-point shot. But you gotta be... You gotta have a shooter's mentality even when you're not a shooter. You just have to know... You know, you, you have to be able to – I'm yawning again. I'm sorry. I apologize. But you do have to be able to turn it off, um, as you know, at the key moments of the game and not just take stupid shots. But to have that shooter's mentality to just shoot because, you know, there's always a 50-50 ch- chance that's going in, and those are always great odds. Um, but his de- he's just a defensive, gritty guy. He'll flop. I don't care if he flops. It's funny and when he does it. When other people flop, it's kind of annoying. But when he does it, it's almost like funny. And like, you can kind of see that, you know, like, it might be questionable. You know, sometimes it's an obvious flop. But sometimes, you know, there's a reason that they, you know, blow the whistle. But Marcus Smart, just the definition of Celtics defensive basketball. Just, I love that man. I got to get me a Smart jersey here soon. Always talk about getting one. I got to get one. He's just been... He's been through it all, you know, that that last little phase of coming, that last little hype wave coming off the Big Four era. It was a tough grind. Um, But Smart's been through it with us, and i I love to see where he's at on this team right now. Uh, Number eight, Ray Allen. Now, obviously he spent his career with a couple other teams, Bucks, uh, Supersonics, Heat. But most people remember him for that Celtics team. Um, He's with us from 07 to 2012. I mean, Ray Allen's probably, if not uh, the best shooter of all time. Corner specialist for sure. Just a dead eye there in the corner. Won LeBron a championship. Helped us win a championship. Now... I might I might get in this rant a little bit later on, but as we're talking about it, you know, Ray Allen. I I feel like, you know, you always hear those little stories between him and Rondo. Not sure who's, you know, who it was, but it doesn't matter. They did what they had to do. They got us that championship. That championship team will always go down in history as one of the best championship teams in NBA history. Not only Celtics history. <clears throat> um, so Ray Allen's gotta be on that list. Just watch growing up watching him shoot was just awesome uh number seven Avery Bradley, one of my personal favorite Celtics of all time, um kind of like with that with Marcus smart um Bradley was with us from two thousand ten to 2017 he really was at one point the best player we had if you know you know as a Celtics fan if we're being honest for a while Bradley was the best player we had when we lost Rondo. Bradley was like our only point card for a while, you know f- um for the, like four years it was Bradley and Rondo, but once Rondo left and it really became more of like smart and Bradley, Bradley really had to do everything again, great defensive player, um almost did it yeah, was it with the Lakers, yeah, so you got a championship. shout out to Avery Bradley this year um wish it could have been with us, but thank you for everything. You know, I don't think anybody ever says it, but thank you, Avery Bradley, for what you did for the Celtics during that tough grind era. Um, Like I said, coming off the big four, big three era and slowly transitioning. He was on that transition era of Celtics and it was, it was tough. We all know it was tough watching because it definitely wasn't up to our standards, but shout out Avery Bradley. Thank you so much. Um, Moving on, number 6. Wasn't with us for that long, but Nate Robinson. One of my favorite, like I said, this is favorite players, top 10 favorite players. Nate Robinson had to be on the Celtics list. I mean, he just made he made watching basketball fun the things he did. He was a great bench character. Just made me as a kid love watching basketball. Especially when I, because I was more of just really focused on football all the time as a kid, um, so basketball, watching the Celtics, uh, with my dad growing up, just Nate Robb really helped me fall in love with that team even more. Um, so it was just fun growing up watching him play. Obviously, he wasn't with us in the dunk championship or dunk, yeah, the dunk championship. Um, but those just memories tied to Nate Robb that I always think about. So I had to make sure I put him on my Celtics list. He probably could have been a little bit higher on the list, maybe. Um, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Coming in at number five, and I feel like this is the perfect spot for him because he's obviously young to our team, but he means so much, and I know he's going to mean so much moving forward. That's Jason Tatum, baby. Bow down to him now. He's going to be the best NBA player ever. He might be the best Celtic ever, but for right now, I just had to put him at number five because I wanna, I wanna give him his due, but I also want him to keep earning his his respect and his credit. Um, Jason Tatum, baby, J- what a what a stud that we you know. As, I'm a Duke fan too, so just seeing him go from my favorite team to my favorite team was awesome. You know, you rarely ever get that as a f- fan. Um, that'd be like like I said like maybe. Watching Trace McSorley go from Penn State to Pittsburgh and eventually become the number one quarterback. Not going to happen. But that's like what it was watching. Um, so it was watching Jason Tatum go from Duke to, to Boston was awesome. Like I said, number five right now. But I think he'll be the best Celtic of all time. Just, le- just let him keep going into his own. Watch out next year. I think he's going to be super hungry. I hope they're hungry. I hope I can't wait to see what what we put together with Tatum moving forward. And Danny Ainge, we trust, and I'll always trust Danny Ainge with what he's got going on. So, Jason Tatum coming in at number five. Uh, number four. Once again, not with us for that long, but what he did for the city of Boston and for that Celtics team. You know, he's brought he brought tears to I'm sure all of our eyes. Um, brought love to our hearts. That's Isaiah Thomas, IT baby. Uh from fifteen to seventeen, what a career he had. That's when he left I was pretty upset, I'm not gonna lie, but you gotta understand it's the game. A lot of people don't get can't wrap their head around that aspect of professional sports. It is a business. Um so I was super upset, but we got Kyrie. Now that's I meant. I should have said that when I started this list is you're definitely not going to see you're not going to see Kyrie on this list. Kyrie, that's the only thing that made me happy is if we had got rid of it for anybody else, I would have definitely been pissed. But the fact that we got him for Kyrie, and like I said, it's a business move. I was ecstatic. Fuck Kyrie Irving though, destroyed our team. Just just destroyed what we had going forward. I wish we'd bring Isaiah Thomas back even if it's just coming off the bench. I mean, just playing through everything he did and I mean, loss of tooth, his sister, rest in peace, just everything I everything he gave to that city. I wish we could have done more for him, honestly. So, I love you Isaiah Thomas. Thank you so much. Um so yeah, number 4 top 10. Number 3. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett, um just the anchor of that Big Three, Big Four era. One of the greatest trash talkers of all time. Just when I started uh definitely getting more into basketball, like playing it wise, as I got older. Um I I watched a lot of Kevin Garnett, just that mid-range game, key. Um, just his post moves, just the way he attacks the game. If you're, a, if you want to be a great defender and have a great mid range game, which a lot of people, you know, especially in newer era people are moving away from, but I think people might be coming back just because people are moved so far away that the smart ones are moving back into it because a lot of people are looking for it. But that mid range game is key. KG, just. Like I said, the anchor of that that Celtics era, um, just so happy we're able to get him a championship. I want to move on because I'm I'm really ready to talk about it. Um, so number two, a lot of people think he should probably be number one. It's not Bill Russell. Honorable mention right off the bat. I'll just say Bill Russell's not on here. It's just so far back. I can't. I appreciate everything he did, but I can't like really appreciate everything he did. You know. But I respect the man, obviously. I just can't appreciate everything he did just because I I didn't watch any of it. And I mean, it was like in the 60s, 50s, you know. Things have evolved. I'm not shitting on Bill Russell. So don't nobody attack me for shitting on Bill Russell. I'm not. But number two, the legend himself, Larry Bird, comes in at number two. I will say, yes, my dad was a Celtics fan. But what really caught my eye initially was my grandpa on my mom's side had a it was a green cup I always saw in the cabinet and I took it out I shouldn't have because now it's destroyed all these years later but it was sitting in in um oh, what what did we call them uh, I forgot what they called them but it's like a big uh, it's like a not a chest but I forgot what we call them but they're lined up and you got like little window cabinets on it and like drawers in it. Um, it's kind of like a china cabinet, or it's like a cabinet, but I, I can't remember what we call them as a kid, because uh, he got them from Germany. My grandpa did. Um, but yeah, but in in them had like little, you know, like nooks and stuff like that, like uh, knickknacks and stuff like that. Um, but there was a green cup, and it had this face on it that was like, like God, outlined in white. And it had, like, a name on it. And it was Larry Bird. It was a cup. It was, like, a Celtics cup. It was, like, a green mug-type thing, plastic cup. that had Larry Bird on it. And that's really what caught my eye. And then, you know, my dad was a Celtics fan. But that's really the first thing that caught my eye was Larry Bird. So I've always, you know, I've watched everything about Larry Bird. His trash-talking, just, like, the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird bio. Just everything about Larry Bird I've watched, you know, um... The only man that could win. He's the only person that could win a three-point contest with a jacket on. Just a lot of people don't respect him. I feel like Celtics players always get crapped on so much, but it's hard being the best because everybody wants to hate you. So we take it. You you learn to deal with it. So even when you have a, t- a player that you know is the best and dominant, and players respect him, but fans on the outside don't see that and just want to poop on them and poop on our players. So Larry Bird, there really we go. Larry Bird would twerk. Larry Bird would would probably dominate a lot of the field today. And now, you know, some people might be laughing at me, but I said what I said, and real ones know that Larry Bird would be able to hang with today's game. You know, obviously not old Larry Bird. You know, fucked up back Larry Bird. But prime, 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 prime Larry Bird would shut down a lot of people and score on a lot of people today. I want a lot of people to know that. And number one, they call him his nickname for a reason. When you're given this nickname, it's because it's factual. The truth. Paul Pierce coming in at number one on the top 10, on my top 10 Celtics list. That man is the truth. And this is what I was so excited to talk about. I wanted to get to number one for the longest because I wanted to talk about Paul Pierce. I'm on Twitter, people. I see, I see what people say. People shit on Paul Pierce all the time for no reason. Does he say some things? Does he, does he say some things now? Yes. But what is he saying? He's, just, he's a Celtic. He didn't retire and now he's like fanboying for other teams. No. Once a Celtics, always a Celtic. And that's what he's doing. You can't hate the guy for it. Like, I was, so what? He's being, un, he's being super biased and he's not really supposed to be his analyst. But who cares? He's a, once a Celtic, always a Celtic. And I love that. He is the truth. People don't understand how filthy that man was. He would just walk the ball up. Talk to you, ask you how's your mama, and then pull up and drain the three before the buzzer go off while probably thinking about like a recipe he's about to make when he got home. He's just that cold. people don't understand, and when and this it's funny being a Celtic and um a Steelers fan because we kinda i I get the same argument coming at me for the same reason almost whereas the Steelers it was Ben a b and bell. For the Celtics, it was Pierce, KG, and Allen. Why didn't we do more with what we had? If you think about it, Pierce was with us from 98 to 13. KG was with us from 07 to 13. And Allen was with us from 07 to 12. So they were all together from pretty much 2007 to 2012. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's only five years that they were together. Ray Allen came in the league in the 90s. KG came in the league in the 90s. Paul Pierce came in the league in the late 90s. But they weren't together the whole career. If they were together the whole career, which it wouldn't have been possible cuz they would have all been drafted like they obviously got drafted by where they were drafted at for a reason. But they yeah, sure if they spent more than 5 years together, you best believe we they would have put up more than one banner. But they were all pretty much right at the end of their prime like eras. Yeah, they all gave some for a little bit more team, like Ray Allen with the Heat. But he was just a bench. He was a six-man player, if that. Six, seven man. Like I said, when I was talking about it, he won the game. He won that championship for LeBron. KG. (coughs) Him and Pierce went on to do a little bit of help with the Nets. Um, And then he went to finish with the uh, Timberwolves again. But... Like I said, they were all together really all at the back end of their prime. So they won when they when they did for a reason. Sure, but if they had spent more than five years together, they definitely would have put up more than one. We almost put up more than one, but there's a person called Kobe Bean Bryant, the black mamba in the Los Angeles Lakers. It is what it is, okay? We could have put up more than one. I just want people always... Deny the facts for their opinions. Which is the reason for an opinion. Is to deny other people's facts or other people's opinions. But it it, it gets annoying. Because like I said. I, I've put it out there. They were only together for five years. You can't judge them for that. They were all on the back end of their primes. Pierce had carried that team from 98. Until 07 pretty much. That's. Almost a decade. That's almost ten years of carrying a team. Really didn't do much in that ten years. Um, so yeah, don't you can't hate them. That's just there's just no logic to that. Let me get one more sip of my Mountain Dew. Not sponsored, but I'll take it if you're listening to Mountain Dew. Anybody's out there that works for Mountain Dew, let them know. I don't drink Mountain Dew all the time, but when I do, I do. You get it? Anyways, okay. Now, my top 10 Steelers list. There's going to be a lot of names on here, people that are left off. And don't hate me for it. This is my personal top 10 list. Number 10. The all-time franchise sack leader, James Harrison coming in at number ten. Right off the bat, probably a little uh little uh uh you know, a little questioning going on from the listeners maybe. You know, it's already getting a little sketchy starting at number ten. But James Harrison, when I like when I was explaining to Matt McGloin being number one, I thought about and I and as I was putting this list for every team together. I just closed my eyes and thought about memories. And you can't not close your eyes and think of Steeler memories and not think of the Super Bowl moment that pick six by James Harrison clearing the whole length of the field for a touchdown. I mean, that's one of the greatest moments in sports history ever, let alone Steelers history. So you know he's got to be in the top ten list. Like I said, all-time sack later. Sure... Sometimes he says some bitch-ass things. It's okay. I'm not going to say that shit to his face. Because he's on this list, James Harrison. So don't be mad at me. Number 10. Also, I didn't know that he was with us in '02, And then, like, went to the Ravens and, like, did some, like, I think Canadian stuff. And then we brought him back in '04, And that's when he was with us in 2012. And then, obviously, went to the fucking Bengals for no damn reason. And then came back fourteen seventeen for us. But I didn't know he was with us for like 2002. I don't know what happened there. But that's that's pretty crazy. Um, number 9. Now, I wanted to put them on here. But I didn't want to use up two spaces. And they usually get talked about together anyways. Rightfully so, in my opinion. The one and only Lin Swan and John Stallworth. Wide receiver of duo. Coming in at number 9. I mean... Steelers is just known for wide receiver goats. We've always had amazing, 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 amazing wide receivers. Just usually just pretty solid wide receiver rooms as a whole. I could make, now that's a list I would like to make. You know, I might work it into an episode eventually. But I think I might, yeah, top 10 Steelers receivers of all time would be a tough uh, debated list for sure but swan stallworth just the real real life version of yin and yang when it comes to playing styles we was talking about him last week with my buddy fulton um because he was trying to compare compare claypool to some to like past receivers and uh i compared claypool uh partially to Stalworth there's another player which we'll talk about surprisingly or not surprising to me, but other people might think surprisingly. Uh, but yeah, I compared them halfway to Star just that big go up and get it physical style. Um, Swan being the elegant, graceful, type guy. Um, but yeah, had to make sure they were had to get them both on the list, so I put them together there at number nine, number eight, a little bit more current. Uh, Marquise Pouncy. um, and uh. At first, when I was thinking about, like, my top ten list, he wasn't on there. But I, I, I put him on here at number eight because he's, I mean, but that last year with that Miles Garrett Rudolph incident, Townsley just, and then um, not only that incident, but then uh, two years ago, the Panthers game, I saw it recently, a clip um, where Eric Reed had, you know, maybe questionably – hitting uh, Big Ben late as they were going to the ground as he was sliding into the run. A um, little bit of helmet to helmet, head to head. Uh, but count, Pouncey, Pouncey always coming in for the smoke. And that what that's what makes a leader. Um, that clip and another clip I saw, because NFL just put out like Mike Tomlin's best like, mic'd up moments or whatever. And one of them, he was yelling at, like uh, I'm pretty sure it was 2010, I'm pretty sure it was Pouncey's rookie season but he was yelling at Pouncey um to like uh what was he doing he did something like he was doing too much yapping after the after like a play so it took too much it took longer for them to get to the line um so you know that's precious seconds that you're wasting away arguing and he was pretty much telling him you know you got to put your you got to put the team above yourself and that's so crazy to hear Mike Tomlin yelling at it Pouncey cuz Pouncey is such a team leader now he's You know, ever since he's been on the O-line, he's been the leader of that offensive line. And I can think of many years where we got to the playoffs and he was out, and we struggled tremendously. You could tell that the ball not going from Pouncey to Ben's hands was affecting the timing of everything. And that cost us a couple playoff games that I can notably remember. Um, So, you know, Pouncey had to be here in that top 10 list. Um, just always looking for the smoke to defend his quarterback, to defend any player, but he's always, cause he, he's, cause he's going to put that team above himself, um, which I just love. Uh, number seven, talking about one, the smoke 24 seven, Joey Porter, baby linebacker was with us from 99 to 06 as a kid growing up. Um, it's like playing break football. I always wanted to play linebacker. I never got to. I always had to play defensive line, but I always wanted to play linebacker because of Joey Porter. Um I remember um uh one of the rec teams I played for was like the Eagles. Um I forgot what my actual jersey number was, but like our the, jer- the jerseys we had were like like the old like Eagles like the limeish green color, and then we had white away jerseys. But for award ceremonies, he gave us trophies and jerseys to keep, but they were black jerseys, and we got to choose our numbers. And I was so upset because I wasn't able to get this number for my actual jersey number that I told them I had to have it, and that was number 55. I've always loved the jersey number 55. Any player that has number 55, I feel like an emotional connection to them just because of that number, and that's because of Joey Porter. Um, just definition of Steeler football, always – um coaching career as well just continuing it over got uh, <laughs> what, what oh i forgot what did pac-man call him jesse porter i think or something like that that should had me dead um so joy porter's i i knew he had to be on the top 10 list coming in at number seven number six now when i say six and five people gonna be like but number six was better than number five yes he was yes he was but this is my personal favorite. And number five, I personally like. I just love him. Oh, damn, it sounds messed up that I say I'm, I love him more or I like him more than Hines Ward. But it's my fucking list, okay? So number six, Hines Ward. Super Bowl XL MVP. Um, just the def... Just the man at wide receiver, just the complete package. Blocking will knock your fucking head off, will catch the ball no matter what, can get, can get yards after the catch, just everything. And he does everything with a smile. And you got to think, excuse me, you got to think as a defender, just seeing someone smile and as they pin you to the dirt. It's got to be psychologically confusing. Cause he he looks like he brought so much joy, to his face just to, make you hurt, and that's oh that's a Steelers receiver right there, baby, that's what uh that's what we can see, uh Juju forming into, um. When I was talking about Stallworth earlier and last week, my friend compared Claypool to Heinz Ward, and somebody else, um, what. He compared him to Heinz Ward and number five on my list. But I compared him to Heinz uh I compared him to number five and number and Stalworth, Claypool that is. Um, because Juju's more of Heinz Ward now. Juju's really becoming that reliable, catching it, getting the hard earned yards after the catch. We already know he was about to smoke. Blocking wise, and you know, taking people, you know, the crackdown blocks that perfect hit. Speaking of which, you know, it's it's fucking Bengals week, baby. So, obviously, perfect bitch ass ain't with him no more, but um, got Bengals week coming up. So, Juju's really that uh, I feel like new era Heinz Ward. Um, so I didn't want to compare Claypool to Heinz Ward because he's just not. Um, but yeah, Heinz Ward had to be number six. Also, great dancer. Shout out. And he won with my favorite uh dancer on there. I can't remember her name. I know I just said she's my favorite, but I can't remember her name. But she's smoking hot. Great dancer. So that's another thing that Heinz Ward got over everybody else. Not only can he dance around you on the field, but he'll literally dance around you on the dance floor. Now, number five. Probably my favorite wide receiver ever, Martavis Bryant, the alien. This man was absolute goat, a god, a stud, a beast, a monster, a freak, a, a animal, a whatever you want to say. That's what Martavis Bryant was. He just couldn't keep it together for goodness sake. But damn if he did, he'd be one I swear to God, he'd be one of the best wide receivers ever. Just the things he did, he made it look so effortless. I, the connection between him and Ben, I wish it could have went on for longer. I wish he could have done so much more with his career. I wish I could give a little piece of myself as an offering to bring back oh, excuse me, to bring back and revitalize Martavis Bryant's career a little bit. That's how much I would I respect him and love him and just wish he had con- could have done more. Was only with us from fourteen to seventeen, but gosh darn do I wish he had done more. Just a natural athlete, just natural talent. That catch where he caught it between his legs, like underneath his legs and like did a like a somersault like front flip. Just nobody no one's doing that. You're not gonna see anybody else doing that. Um moving on shout out martavis bryant man that's at number five number four the bus the bus making a stop in detroit one last time jerome bettis just once again we're we're getting into the icon phase here these four through ones are going to be just absolute icons in my opinion jerome bettis just a big guy and as a big kid growing up that was like felt like he could do more of like the um uh, like uh skill set stuff on the football field, but was just looked at as a big guy. Seeing Jerome Bettis gave me confidence growing up. Just seeing a big guy out there running the football, I'm like, well if Jerome Bettis can do it, I can too. Um so that's just, that just gave me confidence as a kid. And, you, um, just a wholesome guy. Um, so he just means, he just meant a lot to me growing up. Um, just probably one of the most outstanding Steelers ever, just character and player wise. So, number four, moving along, we're going to get through these. Number three, Troy Palamalu in the sea Seagat, baby. Um, just like I said, we've focused on it so much. Uh, when we were going through these lists, it's just memories. And when I close my eyes and I think of Steeler memories, it's a lot of interceptions come to mind, like the James Harrison one did. But the one that comes to mind even more is is Troy Polamalu, and there's so many interceptions, there's so many plays, just just the human highlight reel and the gracious, and he's one of the most just. Soft spoken guys, but he will literally rip your fucking head off on the football field. And that's what that's kind of like how you should attack life is just be soft spoken and, um, you know, have good morals, honorable and respect and just praise for everybody. But when it comes down to business, you just rip the fucking head off. And that's how you should attack life. Um, so Troy Palmallow, you know, he's got to be top three. Now, number two this man made me want to play the tight end position more than any position that I've talked about on this list. Like growing up, like I said, running back, um, linebacker with Joy Porter, Jerome Bettis, respectively. But this man really made – I felt like this position was my calling in life. And that's the tight end position. Heath Miller coming in at number two. Just all reliable, all faithful. Just being – Ben's safety blanket for years. Um, Not only could he block, but he could catch the ball. Um, Just great hands. And just being able to get things done after the catch to, you know, get first downs, to get touchdowns, to, you know, lay out for it. And that was the type of guy he was. That's the type of player I wanted to be. If we had, you know, it didn't matter if it was a home game or away game. So if it was a home game, I would just sit in the locker room or if it was a away game on the bus right there I would have my uh, my iPod and I'd be on YouTube watching Heath Miller uh, highlights just to get myself hyped up for the game and visualize and see how professional would attack the game and I try to put that in a lot into what I did uh, especially in like high school and everything like that so thank you so much Heath Miller for being like an idol and a role model to me as a player um just on and off the field keeping it hushed that's what you know what I'm saying. Attacking life, being responsible, um, being respectful. But when it comes down to business, be reliable and be the best you can be. Now, number one, you should have already known who number one would be. I am Big Ben's non-biological son, so daddy's got to be number one. Sir, Benjamin Roethlisberger Sr. Big Ben I love him. I mean, I've literally grown up with the guy. He's the only quarterback I've seen. Or, obviously not the only quarterback I've seen my entire life. But he's been my quarterback my entire life. Obviously, I was there for Tommy Maddox. I remember watching a guy named Maddox be a stealer. But I truly remember a man named or a kid named Ben Roethlisberger number 7 taking over during a game and winning and then really that whole next season is really where my football memories just that's like the first f- like main hard drive of football memories is like that 05 season with Big Ben and it just it's it's going to be hard when he leaves Because, like I said, he's the only quarterback, you know, my number one quarterback I've seen. Obviously, I've seen Charlie Batch play games. I've seen Byron Leftwich play games. I've seen Dennis Dixon play games. Landry Jones, Michael Vick, Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, Josh Dobbs. What are some other backups I've seen? I think that's all of our backups we've ever had. Oh, what's his fucking name? Charlie Whitehurst or whatever that guy's name is. Dear God, I've been through it all, but our number one quarterback, my number one head quarterback has always been Big Ben. So if he ends up, we know not if, but when he ever ends up leaving, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, I'm not going to lie. Um two-time winning Super Bowl champion, um three-time Super Bowl appearances. Hopefully we can get get him to number, you know, a fourth appearance this year. Number seven, bring home number seven this year. We desperately need it. The city needs it. This this organization of the NFL needs it. We need Steeler football to be the poster child of the NFL once again. Because those are great years. Those are great memories. And I want to continue building on those. But that's my top ten Steelers list of all time. My personal favorite. Honorable mentions, obviously, on there. Obviously, two names you did not hear were Le'Veon and A.B. And it was tough. Uh, Leaving A.B., honestly, I didn't even think about Le'Veon Bell when I thought about top 10. I certainly thought of A.B. Now, I worshipped Antonio Brown. And if any of you, like I said, I'm Big Ben's on son, at Big Steeler Moon on Twitter. And I just made this profile. But honestly, if... If things had worked out different, I worshipped Antonio Brown, man. I'm not gonna lie. I don't talk about it a lot, but I, I really loved that man, Antonio Brown. I thought he was the best thing that one of the best things that ever happened to us. I thought always thought about how lucky and you know grateful we were as a franchise to have Antonio Brown. I just don't. You know, obviously, he didn't feel the same way, and I I think it's hard to feel that as a human being. Like you're really just a sports player. So I think it's kind of hard to, to feel the love that a random stranger could feel for you, but I did, and we do, or we did. I think some of us still do. I wish you the best. It's just it's hard to look at them. You know it's. It's like watching a car accident. You know you just, you just want to look away, but you can't. But it's so It's so bad to look at. I just wish him the best. I just it's just hard to think about. Um and one of my honorable mentions, I I wish I could've squeezed him on the list. But D'Angelo Williams, man, that like year or two he was with us, he just became an instant Steeler favorite. He's one of my favorite short time like Steelers ever. And there's always some relationship to Carolina for me. But he was a longtime Carolina Panther, so obviously I watched him for years play here. Um, so it was awesome to have him come over to Steelers and, um, the work he put in with us was I'll be forever grateful. I think we should all be forever grateful to Williams. Um, so shout out to him, man. Um, but yeah, that's been my top 10 veterans of my three favorite or three major sports teams, Steelers, Celtics, and Penn State. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, let me get the plugs out. Um follow me on Twitter at Big Stealer Mood. Follow the Instagram at the Big Sports Mood Pod. And then go check out my T my T shirt company, man, Teespring.com backslash stores, backslash big sports mood. And once again, another big shout out. Thank you for the ad. Go check out the man cave podcast on all uh podcast platforms. Big shout out to Lance and Logan logan and lance i don't want to get either of you upset so big out to both of you guys um also like i said go check out their podcast i got an ad running for them what a great opportunity um just to all of us to support each other um not only through a steelers community but through a podcast community and um it's awesome to keep growing so let's keep doing this thing guys like uh like i said thank you for listening to episode four if you listen this far i appreciate you i love you um I'm super happy to keep this thing going. Um, This is Anthony G. I'll see you next time. Peace.